Um, so hi, I'm Erin Fawaz. I'm the new host for uh, the podcast this year. Uh, we had a, uh, like a host last year and I just decided to start uh, doing it for this year, see how I like it. <laughs> but if anything, please introduce yourselves and what you guys do, what's the organization. I would love to know more and I'm sure a lot of people want to know more about it. I'll start then. <laughs> so hi, my name is Rachel. I'm the project manager at Good Neighbours Canada. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll let my colleague introduce herself. <laughs> um, I'm Yana. Hi, everyone. I'm Refugee Family Case Manager. Cool. And so what our charity is, Good Neighbours Canada is actually part of the global Good Neighbours Partnership. We are an international humanitarian development agency working in 47 countries worldwide currently. And um, our mission is to sort of implement projects that promote and protect human rights, strengthen global partnerships and sort of advocate for people's safety and health in a respectful way um, to sort of empower communities from, from within basically. So a lot of what that involves is we do one-to-one -one child sponsorship, for example. Uh, we sponsor different community projects depending on what they see as an important need in their community. So for example, we're currently working in Cameroon to support a menstrual health project we're working in Vietnam to support a, a campaign against child marriage. Um, and then one of the biggest things that we do is emergency relief. So in 2022, that has involved a lot of support towards victims of the war in Ukraine, which is sort of where the project that we're going to talk about today comes in, I suppose. So we're running a project called Ukrainians in Canada, um, where we are actually not only supporting internationally. So another part of what Good Neighbours is doing is working on the border between Ukraine and Romania to provide okay. you know immediate emergency relief for people that are fleeing the country but in response to demands we also implemented Ukrainians in Canada which is our project helping refugee families who would like to move here to Canada with things like uh, getting a visa in place booking their flights and you know supporting their travel and accommodation providing short-term housing when they get here completely for free to the family and then what Yana's job is, is the case management aspect of yep. things as well, which is basically assessing a family's needs in terms of, you know, do they need support getting their kids into school? Do they need support learning English or French? Do they need employment support? Do they need support just opening a bank account and getting a SIN number, things like that? So looking at each family individually, rather than taking a blanket approach, of course, and making sure that the way that they are supported into life here in Canada sort of empowers them and helps them set up for long-term safety and security. Yeah, so that, that's the goal, kind of just having uh, like refugees coming from Ukraine really just settle in in Canada. Uh, I'm assuming, Yana, you have a little bit more info on the case cases that you're working on. Uh, do you have any more input that you can tell us or give uh, give a little insight on what it's like working with a lot of these families? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I can briefly update on um, our status where we are right now. So um, initially, we pledged to um, support 10 families um, oh, wow. and we actually exceeded that um, benchmark. And uh, we have 10 families now, but then uh, we receive daily different requests for assistance, different kind of assistance from other families. So we 
kind of set up an additional family's badge. Um, so, um, and we're trying to assist them like as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, as Rachel mentioned, uh, with our original 10 families, we provide different kind of support starting from assessing their needs and then we go like go from there. Um, whether they need support with the flights or with finding an employment. Um, with the additional family, we mostly provide different resources in um, native language and Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. And uh, like different guidance that cover diverse topics from how to open a bank account um, to how to make an appointment with a doctor and etc. Oh, wow. So okay. um, once they arrive here, they already have uh, full information about how things uh, function here because you have to take into account their cultural shock as well. Yeah, 100%, that yeah. Ukraine and Canada, they're absolutely different countries and they're different approach to everything. Um, so yeah, and um, regarding um, case case studies um, and uh, a little bit more about the families that we work with. Um, so again, as Rachel mentioned, um, all of the families are different, and yeah. I cannot say that each case management is the same. Um, and the needs of the families are also very different. We have a family who went on a vacation in Egypt and then the war started. And so they were not able to come back to Ukraine. So um, so we have this family. Then we have a family, um, um, for example, a mother, father and a child. So father couldn't leave Ukraine because of the martial law. All, all of the men of certain age, they cannot leave country, right? And so mother came here just to um, let her daughter stay with another family, um, with the people she doesn't even know, you know, it's just, just relying on um, just, I think, universal kindness of other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And just imagine how hard that might be just to say goodbye at the airport to your child and go back to Ukraine. So um, situations are very, very different. Um, what's interesting is, I think, is how much a family can get, go through and still remain optimistic. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I can imagine how rough it is for these families to just, in a blink of an eye, like, as you're vacationing, you're like, I can't even go back. To my home country now and i have to exactly flip a switch almost a 360 or 180 yeah and go to this country i've never been to which is kind of amazing that it's not just the big picture of steps of just giving them a house or supplying it's really you guys take care of the small little steps that go into supporting a family it's not just uh the housing or it's really making sure they understand what they're getting into when they come to canada or understand what it's like to be in Canada. And I'm assuming you guys probably talked about the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the problems for them to find also warm clothes. <laughs> this is also what we recently announced the call for their <laughs> clothes because this is an issue. But yeah, as you said, um, everything is different. We're trying to take care of like every um, small step. Um, but also um, just understand that um, when people come in here, it's 
Um, it's a little bit different when you come to Canada, when you were willing to come to Canada mm-hmm. before war yeah. and you came here or when you came here because of the war. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm talking with some of the families, one of the first ones that arrived here and I'm asking like, how are you doing? Like, are you enjoying Canada? And their reply is usually, yes, it's nice. People are amazing. I mean, depending on like, how much support people provide to people they don't even know it's it's amazing really but um for example back in ukraine there would probably have their business houses you know different possessions like cars and they come here and they have like one pair of sneakers and yeah you know it's also very hard to adjust for them because you know um back in ukraine for example um a person was a famous lawyer and here um Perhaps he will go to work somewhere like in a retail lifestyle as well that they're carrying on. It's not the lifestyle that they had when they were in Ukraine. It's just the completely different world they're living in now, which is which is crazy, (laughs) honestly, Uh, because I've also well, like from the backgrounds that I've heard, because I've also seen a lot of um, refugees from different parts of the world here. And a lot of them come back and say like, yeah, my dad was a doctor before he came here or my dad was such and such before he came to Canada and everybody just like starts from scratch. And it's and it's hard to see because you went from, you know, one lifestyle to another. And it's just it's really it's it's tough. It's 100 percent tough. And I'm assuming there's a lot of ways people can help with uh, these situations. Is there any way someone can help maybe not just donate, but also implicate themselves in different ways? Uh, within your organization to help these families yeah absolutely so I'll take this one I suppose um and yeah just to really sort of reiterate what you're saying there Mariam it's having worked on this the same as Jana it's very humbling to sort of be reminded how lucky we are you know mm-hmm. living in a place that is totally free of conflict we've actually yeah. never had to go through something like this ourselves you know hearing these case studies it's so you know humbling and just just makes us realize that it's so important to give back when we can so yeah as you mentioned you know of course one of the most obvious ways that people can support this course is by donating any money that we do have spare um the money at the moment that we're collecting is going directly towards the families so whether that's Mm -hmm. you know giving them like money when they arrive to sort of sort out their their essentials you know food medicine public transport to get to their service Canada appointments or job interviews things like that um, and then if they can't give money, there are other ways that we can support sort of the the process of getting people here. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for anyone who's got air miles to donate, for example, oh, you know, nice. just scanning okay. those cards at the checkout can really, you know, build up air miles. And whilst no one's really been traveling in the last few years, yeah. sometimes people have got bulks of those that they can donate. And actually, you know, it's a really good way of supporting a family or an individual to get on a flight. So that's yeah. one way that's, you know, sort of not directly related to money, but still giving something of, of value to us. Um, and then another big thing that we're doing at the moment is with this temporary accommodation that we spoke about briefly, we're collecting a bank of lovely lovely people who have got either you know a spare room or spare few rooms or even a spare whole property if they are like a landlord um who would be interested in donating that home or room or whatever it is for a small amount of time whilst our refugee families first get here before they're sort of on their feet and have found their own Mm -hmm. place to move into um so we're collecting a bank of of offers basically and then when a family comes to us and says we've decided that we'd like to live in this area or you know 
what we don't know quite where to live, where we should recommend, <laughs> for example, then we've got a list of people who, you know, who might be a good match for them. And these will all be people who, you know, will go through a, a criminal history check and everything. We'll check out the house and make sure that it's suitable. Um, so that's another very big way that people can offer their support if, if they are able to. Um, but then I think to sort of bring it back to maybe the student population, um, yes. one of the lovely ways that people can get involved and people have been getting involved is to run smaller little fundraising events yes. and to keep in touch with us about any news um, and ways that you can sort of share the campaign with, with your members mm -hmm. or your following. Um, so we've had lots of, you know, lovely, lovely student groups who are interested in supporting this campaign um, by running things like craft sessions or coffee mornings. We've had a movie night that's been like ticketed oh, wow, yeah. events, like a ticketed bar crawl, where, you know, you just you take a small amount for a ticket and then you can decide where that money yeah. goes. Maybe 50% of the proceeds get donated to a charity. Maybe that charity is us or, you know, whoever <laughs> is you're interested in fundraising for. Um, and then obviously UNICEF, you are yeah. doing a wonderful yeah. little World Cup pool. So that I thought was a really creative way of sort of bringing in something that, you know, your members might already be interested in with a cause that you think is, you know, very, very valuable. Um, so to sort of split that between us and UNICEF, we were so happy to, to receive that gorgeous offer. Um, no, so it just shows absolutely. that, you know, there's so many ways and it, they don't just have to be boring, you know, like no, no, people for think sure. Donating it can be just like a, a thing that you do and you don't really think much of it, but actually getting involved in a little competitive, you know, tournament like this, I think it's a really great way of, you know, enjoying the procedure as well. So there's loads of ways that people can support. And then the last thing actually at the moment that Yana mentioned is as we are coming into the winter and people are realizing, oh my God, I've not been through a winter in, you yeah. know, it snows for so long before. <laughs> um, some of our families are in desperate need of, you know, scarves and sweaters yeah. and coats and winter boots so if anyone has got any of those lying around maybe you're upgrading and you've got a perfectly good coat but you're not going to wear it anymore um we actually do have a, a social media post went out recently so you can check out our facebook or our instagram at hello gn canada or our facebook's just good neighbors canada and we've got a list up currently of all of the different sizes of items that people require so like for the women's coats for example i think we're looking for like smalls and mediums things like that you can check whether you've got any of those available and if so get in touch with us mail it over to us and then we can sort of make sure that that reaches a family and it will go to a really valuable home as well oh no that's that's wonderful there's so many ways to actually get involved uh with an organization that sometimes i kind of forget about yeah. uh like the little steps to take even the the fundraising sometimes people forget that you can literally pay like maybe like three dollars four dollars for a ticket to like chat around have a coffee chat but in reality that money is still being used towards probably another cause uh UNICEF does a lot of that uh and I'm very thankful that we got to actually collaborate with you guys on the pool uh I thought it was a very interesting idea I remember when they were just first in the talks of it and I was like oh that that seems like fun I feel like a lot of people would be interested in uh being a bit more competitive you know instead of betting absolutely on you're betting your actual money on you know maybe completely losing it now you're betting it and putting it into a charity so yes. I think it's a yeah, fun yeah. way of getting into the competition without having to you know risk risk it all <laughs> yeah so that just think of it as a donation and then if you win one of the prizes even yeah better. exactly yeah right? you win 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 scenario in my mind to be honest of course you're I really agree. not losing anything uh Honestly, I also, the 
the Ukrainian support is obviously the top, um, like the most important uh, crisis that you're trying to uh, address as of right now. And I also heard mm-hmm. that you have a bunch of other uh, projects that you guys are working on. I don't know if you want to develop a little bit more on the girls in Cameroon and uh, in Vietnam, like the, I, I believe it was child marriages, correct? That's right. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. want to go around and maybe give a little bit of a spiel on that if you want, just to get sure. people informed a little bit more. Absolutely. So to sort of give a very, very like brief explanation of what we do as a whole, um, our charity works in loads of different projects yes. and they all very they look very different from one another. But the underlying sort of cause that we work towards is gender equity. Because in each of the projects that we implement, it's often the women and the girls and the people of marginalized genders who are the most impacted. So with this period poverty campaign in Cameroon, that's quite obvious. So what we've been doing is um, educating women and girls there on what a menstrual cycle is. Often they Mm -hmm. are not taught and when they receive their period, they think that they've sinned. They think that God's trying to punish them. They don't understand. And then they don't have the materials to um, get through it in like a hygienic way. So they end up using like old rags or whatever they can grab. And then that's obviously a really bad, you know, thing for their health and they can develop infections very easily. So providing dignity kits, reusable period pads and educating those women is a really important aspect to sort of make sure that they can manage their menstruation in like a healthy way and then they don't feel shame associated with it as well they feel pride pride to be going through it and to be doing it you know in a in a safe way Mm -hmm. um then we're also working with partners in vietnam on a project called children are not brides and that's because in this specific area of vietnam as well child marriage is very um common i suppose Mm -hmm. which is of course a risk to both little boys and little girls but it ends up being often the girls who get married at the earlier ages and then Mm -hmm. are at risk of child pregnancy um, which can also harm their health so that's another education program so sort of speaking with kids in their teens to help them understand their rights really and help them understand Mm -hmm. their options as they grow older and these prospects sort of start being talked about but we also run a few other campaigns at the moment. So there's one in partnership with Zambia, where we're providing access to clean and safe drinking water. Um, and the reason that that sort of supports this gender equity theme as well is that often when um, people have to travel to go and collect water, when they walk sometimes up to four hours a day, every wow. single day to go and get water, just to sort of cook and wash and drink. Um, it's the young children of the family who go whilst their parents go to work. And if there are multiple children in the family, it will be the little girl that has to go. So mm. she's the one that will end up dropping out of school and not receiving as high quality education. Um, and then what else do we do? Uh, wishing well. Oh, yes. And then the very last one. <laughs> Sorry, there's so many. There's um, so, no, yeah. We're currently supporting a social enterprise in El Salvador called Women Advance, mm. well, translated from Spanish to mean Women Advance. And that is a group of women who lost their jobs during the pandemic, who have sort of pulled together to create this cooperative and they are working from the ground up. They've sourced a space, they've renovated the space, and they're now beginning to learn about sort of textile production, business management, and they are working as like a functioning um, clothing manufacturer to distribute to other like clothing vendors. So that's a really cool one because we've sort of seen throughout this year how they've gone from 
you know, nothing really being in place yeah. to, they've just uh, taken their first two orders are in, are in the process oh, wow. of fulfilling those orders right now, ready for the Christmas season, I think. So lots of lovely things. Everything is so different from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of ways that I suppose if someone hears about our charity, they might resonate with one project more than another one. Oh no, for um, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That like everything I've said is much more cohesively described on our website. Website, yeah. Goodneighborscanada.ca. We actually spell neighbors the American way. And the reason for that is because our headquarters was over in South Korea. We were founded mm-hmm. in South Korea in 1991. The first international office was in the US. So they spelt it with the, the alphabet that we know, with an O-R-S. So it's good neighbors without the U in Canada. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that, how it um, evolved from being into South Korea and then into Canada. Because usually when we hear, I don't know, I, I think it's just prejudice on my side. When I hear like mm-hmm. organizations helping out each other, I usually think of North America. And then to yeah. know that an organization that started out in South Korea kind of developed itself into coming across borders was yes. really interesting to me because uh, then again I was probably very ignorant in thinking that most organizations or when I think of help I'm like oh North America yeah no that makes perfect sense and I guess that's just you know the the t- kinds of charity that we're exposed to over here you know lots of them are based here yeah. either in Canada or across North America but actually yeah Good Neighbors has got I believe, offices in every continent. So we're North America, South America, and Central America. We've got Europe, we've got the UK, we've got Africa, Asia, obviously, because that's where Korea is and lots of our plants (laughs) in Asia. And then we also have a good neighbours, Australia. So I believe that's everywhere but the (laughs) Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) No, that that was super interesting when I was looking at the website. And I also, um, one thing about most of the campaigns that you do, what I what I resonated with a lot was the idea of education. Not only are you just giving these products out to these families or to these girls um, or whoever it may be, not only are you giving them physically what they need, but you're also implementing, like educating them into realizing what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. in most cases, is it normal or shouldn't, uh, how would I say it? Like, is it the best way to deal with it? I know that shame back there, I, I can resonate a lot with, uh, I guess, not to not to stereotype people, but also in like the Arab community, uh, a lot of that idea of shame sometimes when it comes to period or talking about uh, your period, for example, those 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 questions are usually taboo. And it's kind of nice that you're educating these girls to to believe that these things aren't necessarily taboo. And that's what I really resonated with when I was reading your pages so I really appreciate the work that you're doing in China you know not just give products out but also educate them as well so yeah yeah that's one of the things that I I think makes an organization the most impactful is not just like what can we do here and now but what Mm -hmm. can we do to support this community moving forwards in a way that we can let go of providing the support but that community remains empowered and growing and I think you know education is is the core tenet of that really isn't it when when we give someone a reusable pad with you know giving them a resource but when we teach someone why that's a really good resource to have and teach them about you know the background of menstruation and what's happening to their body and you know help to alleviate some of these stigmas we change that person's whole life for, for the yeah. rest of their experience of menstruation so it's really we one of the reasons that we work you know internationally with international partners Mm -hmm. is so that it's not just us here from Canada traveling to these other countries and going 
here's what we think you need here's how we're going to do it but we actually work with people that live there in that community who can do a needs assessment of you know the things that they think are important and the way that they think Mm -hmm. it would be most effective to implement and we treat them as the experts in the situation we've got no idea how (laughs) to best implement a project in Cameroon for example so we let the staff in Cameroon tell us what they think they should do and you know work with them in a way to support them but not not tell them how we'd like the project to be implemented Mm -hmm. you know let them support their community in the way that is culturally relevant for them and then their community can grow and thrive with that information yeah I think that's a beautiful way of honestly giving aid to people because sometimes when we think of a lot of people doing charity work or most of these most of these organizations not most organizations but when we're thinking about giving aid to people it's usually just we gave them this okay that's what they needed we'll move on with our lives we did we did what we did but Mm -hmm. it's it's beautiful to see that a lot of people are evolving and seeing that resources are is not just like it's not enough just giving someone a resource is not enough uh, in it of of itself really even with like the Ukrainian crisis like not only are you giving resources but you're also educating people on how the system works or uh, how to get a bank account or how to it I really do appreciate and resonate with that whole idea of educating people not only just throwing them you know out there and being like oh we gave them a resource (laughs) let's clean our hands no, I, I really do appreciate that about um, uh, the organization in itself. Is, are there any other things you might want to like throw in uh, that you, you resonate with or if you guys have any other things you'd like to talk about for your organization? Or maybe even how would people get involved maybe in charity work in the future if they wanted to? Ooh, lovely broad question, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I suppose like parting comments really um one a huge thank you to unicef of new ottawa i think it's wonderful that we've got this partnership established i wish you all the best which whichever team you're betting on for the world cup (laughs) and it sounds like your prize pool is really you know amazing too so whoever wins that i'm very jealous um but then yeah about getting involved like particularly with with groups like yourself we are always looking for you know university and student partners so Mm -hmm. if you know the ukrainians in canada campaign resonates with you or if any of the other campaigns that i've mentioned today resonate with you and and your group whoever they are and whatever they look like um we would love to sort of collaborate with you on similar events or you know your own fundraising event whatever you'd like to come up with um so just get in touch our email is hello at gncanada.ca and you know you can always find that on our website you can give us a call you can drop by our office if you're in the gta um and just have a chat with us we're so open to whatever kind of support you guys would like to give and i think that's something that also people sometimes have a misconception of when they Mm -hmm. you know want to support a charity they're like right okay what's my target what are you expecting from me Mm -hmm. you know do i need to meet a certain goal do i need to run a certain kind of event and our answer really is as long as the event you know aligns with our values and our missions mm-hmm. which you know you're not like exploiting a certain group in order to you know fundraise no 100 yeah then you know we're so open to whatever kind of support anyone wants to provide and you know i always think the more hands supporting a certain issue you know the the merrier it's a wonderful thing to have you know this university group in partnership with us it's a wonderful thing to have all of the other groups that are interested in supporting us and we just thank you all for your energy your time and your your trust in us no 100 thank you for 
for taking your time out of your day, not only meeting with me, but also collaborating with us um, at UNICEF. And honestly, just the work that you guys do on a daily basis. I'm sure it's very hectic. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> in the world need help constantly. So you guys are probably always on the go. Uh, so I really appreciate the work. And I'm sure everybody at UNICEF appreciates the work that you guys do on a daily basis. Yana, um, if you have any any parting words on your end, um, you know, um, just probably I would suggest don't be, don't hesitate and just approach mm. us. Um, and just um, very approachable. Include, yeah, we're very approachable, <laughs> and um, there are so many different ways that you can help and really make difference for um one family just by either providing accommodation or. Um, helping them to integrate into the local community or telling how things work here or helping with a bank account or something you know like um, these little things um, they would they would really appreciate that and um, considering that they don't have um, anyone here um, no friends no family um, this is something very important to have this human contact um, and to understand that this is actually a, a really safe place for them yeah beautiful so creating a sense of community i love it <laughs> here in all uh no but thank you guys so much for taking your uh some time out of your day to come chat with me uh i hope you guys enjoyed it and i hope uh <laughs> i hope you had fun <laughs> thank you yes thank you so, so much <laughs> thank you for tuning in to unicef u ottawa's podcast